This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Here now are Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. And welcome to a season-opening edition of One on One's NFL Friday. We will be taking you throughout the world of pro football. I'm Mac Rosenberg. He's Mike Watts. We'll be Yo. doing it throughout the entire season, my friend. Good to see you. How you doing? I- I'm good. You know, we actually saw each other here for a few minutes. Yeah, so we did. I, you know, we're reacquainting each other here to start the show. <laughs> throughout the uh, regular season, folks, myself, Mike, a couple of other friendly faces here at WFUV Sports will be taking you through the world of the National Football League. We'll be talking Jets, Giants, fantasy football, weekly predictions. It's going to be a packed show, a packed season, Mike, as this is now the first year without the lockout. Every team got a, a full training camp in, and, uh, well, we're ready to go for some football. Yeah, and, you know, actually, we're, we're making bold predictions later. One of mine has to do with the lockout, so get ready. Yes. I'm just saying it's going to be very bold. If it were on Microsoft Word, you'd hit Control-B. <laughs> very bold. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, we'll be talking Giants-Jets to start the show. We'll be joined by Bob Papa, who calls the Giants games on WFAN here in New York and is also a proud WFUV alum, so we'll be talking about the uh, the game this past Wednesday. Of course, the Giants losing to the Cowboys in the season opener 24-17. We'll be getting into some Jets after that. We have our Giants and Jets reports, of course, uh, throughout the season. Eric Mala with the Giants, Joe Vitiello with the Jets, and uh, well, then we're going to do some stuff that is uh, special just to the season opening show. We have season predictions for you, every division, and then what we're going to do is we're going to give you the championship games for the NFC and AFC, and then, of course, the Super Bowl, and then we'll round out the show. Steve Seminary will be our fantasy reporter uh, for the show this year, and he'll be giving us... Uh, his advice on fantasy and, football. And man, I need a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really hope he's good at his job because yeah. I'm not saying I have money in a league. I'm just saying I really need to win this league. Now, see, man. you're only in, in one league, right? That's right. I'm in four. So I've you never, need this his is the advice. most amount I've ever been in. So I've yeah. got players, in, you know, all kinds of players. So, uh, yeah, we'll be getting to that later on the show. Let's kick it off with some Giants talk. And without further ado, the first Giants report of the year, Eric Malo has it for us. The Giants didn't kick off the NFL season the way they would have liked to with the rival Cowboys in town. Haunted by drops and blown coverages, the Giants were unable to handle Dallas' dynamic offense, losing 24-17. Coming off a Super Bowl season, Big Blue looked uncharacteristically sloppy. Eli Manning was continually harassed by Dallas' pass rush, and the team couldn't get much going on the ground and their injury-plagued secondary couldn't handle Tony Romo and the Cowboys' three-headed receiving core. More importantly, they couldn't get any sort of pass rush going, as the team combined for a mere two sacks. On top of all this, Dallas committed 13 penalties, and the Giants failed to capitalize on any of them. Big Blue head coach Tom Coughlin knows his team didn't meet pre-game expectations. It hurts to, to come in and be playing at home and playing a game of this nature, the opener of the season, and play the way we played... Uh, we certainly are uh, capable of playing a lot better. While my intro sounds harsh, it wasn't all bad for East Rutherford's squad. In spite of three drops, Victor Cruz still led the Giants in receiving with six catches for 58 yards. Newly added linebacker Keith Rivers and backup corner Michael Coe looked like they could be defensive contributors, although both suffered hamstring injuries in the game. And Eli Manning looked considerably sharp, throwing for a touchdown and completing 65% of his passes. His lone TD went to ex-Cowboy tight end Martellus Bennett, who stayed positive after last night's loss, acknowledging that the team's miscues were correctable. Next up for the Giants is a September 16th matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And while they're not as prolific as Dallas, the Giants know they need to clean up their act on both sides of the ball before Week 2. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. And that is Eric Mala with his weekly Giants report here. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watson, one-on-one's NFL Friday season opening edition. And uh, we will be joined shortly by Bob Papa. Now, Mike, we all know what happened with the Giants the other night. Uh, 
really uh, from the get-go, things weren't looking great. First half, to be honest with you, Mike, was one of the worst offensive halves of football I've seen in a while, really from both teams. Both teams offensively just could not get anything going. It was a matter of which quarterback in the second half was going to step it up, and it was Tony Romo. Yeah, and how often do you really say that? Yeah. Tony Romo outplayed Eli Manning yeah. in the fourth quarter well, of a happened. football game. Kind of. I, you know, I just feel like Eli, first off, some of the throws that he made, you're, you're kind of scratching your head because you go, okay, it's it's third and long. Shouldn't should, And maybe that's that's the, the offensive coordinator's fault for calling that play. But there were times where I just felt like they were maybe being a little too conservative late in the game and, and not really taking advantage of, you know, receivers who are plenty talented. And, and I know Eric mentioned – uh, Victor Cruz had a had a pretty decent game. I think he said six catches, fifty some yards. Oh, there's another that's stat he didn't mention. That's a terrible game. Well, he did mention drops. Okay, but I mean, right there, that's another fifty, sixty, seventy yards that he, he could didn't have. Get. Totally, he so could have gotten opinion, a touchdown. That, yeah, that was actually a bad game, a very bad game from Victor Cruz. So yeah, Tony Romo may have technically outplayed. You know, maybe he came to play in the second half, but kind of. Two turning points in this game for Dallas, if you ask me. One, believe it or not, was a play that did not go in their favor. It was the Michael Boley interception. Mm-hmm. Ran it all the way down, didn't score, and then the Giants are faced uh, with four downs. Inside, I believe they were inside their own five, they or, or the Dallas five, and they have a chance to easily score a touchdown here and make it a 7 to nothing game. This is, I believe it's late in the first quarter, maybe early second quarter. And what happened was... Uh, Rob Ryan's crew just absolutely dominated. I mean, Eli Manning couldn't find Cruz. I mean, yeah, we all saw the play. I mean, where I believe it was Orlando Skandrick who was in the end zone with contact on Victor Cruz. Now, the question was, was this a a penalty? When, mean, when I looked, no, by it, the way. And I agree with you. I yeah. didn't think it was a penalty. Now, I was with a couple of Giants fans, and obviously <laughs> everybody was going crazy, but... To be and on Twitter as well, but I, I mean to be honest with you, I really thought that that was a clean play. I'm not saying that that the officials are are fans of any teams. I'm just saying the officials. This is like new territory for them. Like, oh, I'm on national TV. Like, this is like a big moment for them. <laughs> Who's like, Jim Core? <laughs> the, the lingerie football league doesn't get this kind of coverage, and neither does you know the you NAIA. Know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know, I'm I'm just gonna say I, I'm not. Look, I'm not going to say they swallow their whistles. I'm not saying they leaned one way or the other. I'm not saying any of that because I really don't believe that. Um, but I would say that that one could have gone either way. I'm not sure. It, I think it was, it was a judgment call. And I think we both agree that that wasn't a penalty in that specific instance. But, boy, you could hear Giants fans screaming in the streets as that was not called. And so what happened was... They go three and out, have to kick the field goal, and that's a huge, absolutely monumental victory for the Dallas defense. When you sat there and they got first down at, what, the four-yard line? Like I think that. it was the two-yard line. Whatever and then it was. The, didn't you just know what they were going to do? Were you just sitting there like, you know, first play, they're going to run it for a loss of two. What do they do? <laughs> they run it for a loss of two. You're just, you, you just sat there and went, oh, man. this is so Giants. I know what they're going to do. And it's such a great segue that you make into what I'm about to say. The Giants running game. Yeah, Ahmad oh. Bradshaw had the touchdown. We but, need to talk about but this. But listen, oh. the, the Giants running game was awful. It was brutal. How many times did you see? The other night. Amad Bradshaw run into the back of his left guard. He got so many carries, And then just kind of look around and then bounce to the left and get tackled three yards further back than he was. And it's even worse that I have him in fantasy football, or else I really (laughs) wouldn't be talking so much about it. But, man, the Giants' running game was awful. And, you know, David Wilson had the fumble in the first quarter. They took him out the rest of the game. Coughlin benched him. For the rest of that game, I I didn't even really know it until I read it today. Yeah, and they showed the stat on wasn't on, aware on uh, NBC about one fumble every fifty some touches. I think it's fifty three touches at I think he's at what Virginia Tech. Uh, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean because you know he's going to touch the ball fifteen twenty times a game as the backup running back between catches and returns. That's not going to cut it in no. the NFL. That that's like. You know what? One every game or two, three maybe. That that's not going to cut it. Amon Bradshaw had seventy-eight yards and a touchdown. That that's okay. A long of thirty-three. 
I carried the ball 17 times. That's a lot. Yeah, how many yards? 78. 78. That's 4.6 yards a carry. I, I know it doesn't seem like it's I know it doesn't seem like it's that bad, but you you have to watch that game to know how bad the Giants running game was. You, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Because no. 17 carries, 78 yards for a touchdown, that sounds pretty solid. But you look at the way Ahmad Bradshaw ran the ball. Absolutely brutal. And of course the one thing that we couldn't get to, which we will get to with Bob Papa, is the Giants secondary. And let's welcome in the voice of the Giants on WFAN and WFUV alum, Bob Papa. Bob, welcome aboard. Pleasure to be on, guys. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Bob, I want to start, obviously, with the Giant game the other night. Uh, I thought the main concern was the secondary going in, and it proved to certainly be a factor. Uh, beginning of training camp, looked like everything was going pretty well, and now it's certainly a, a depleted unit. Uh, that could have been the reason New York lost on opening night. Your thoughts? Well, we knew that they had a weakness opposite Corey Webster with Terrell Thomas being placed on injured reserve and Prince of Mukamara with the high ankle sprain. But, you know, actually Michael Coe held up okay. I think the Cowboys really picked on the Giants' best corner in Corey Webster, and Webster picked the wrong night to have his worst game of the year, uh, one of the worst games that he's had, excuse me, in the last couple of years. Um, they, You know, they beat him on a third-and-one go route. They beat him on a double move for a touchdown. Uh, so there were some things that broke down there. Um, they they had some breakdowns in their pass rush assignments. Going back and looking at the coaches' tape, there were some plays, especially on like Ogletree's first touchdown, where you can almost absolve the linebackers for not covering Ogletree in the end zone because of the fact that they had a uh, stunt on up front and Justin Tuck just got pinned inside and allowed Romo to break contain and have a clear passing lane. He was supposed to be on the outside, which would have obscured the view of Romo, and he would not have been able to throw that ball over the linebackers with an obstructed view. So uh, I think there's some things that are correctable. Obviously, they need Michael Coe to get healthy. They need Prince of Mukamara back because Justin Tryon just not going to cut it as a starting corner. Yeah, and I like what you said about Michael Coe, who I thought had an outstanding game. Where did he come from? Did did you kind of mention that you thought maybe that they would go to the other corner and, and aim at Coe instead of Webster, and they went at Webster? Do you know why that may have been? Um, because they probably figured that the Giants were going to be rolling some help Coe's way, which they did with the safeties, um, and they figured they might have some more one-on-one matchups with Webster because Webster was following Des Bryant, you know, all over the field for most of the night, or whoever was in, uh, you know, that wide receiver slot. So. Look, you know what? Credit the Cowboys. It was a really good game plan. I think they caught Webster napping a couple times, and and they exploited that matchup. Bob, I want to get to the offensive side of the football, uh, the running game. I I really thought was just really not not looking good at all the other night. Bradshaw did find the end zone, but, uh, I mean, they had just three rushing first downs all night long. It seemed like play after play, Bradshaw was really, you know, could not find any room. How important do you think the running game was to the outcome of this game, and how important do you think it's going to be down the road for this team? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because all the things that I talked about defensively, I feel that the Giants can fix. Even DeMarco Murray, I know I know the final numbers look what they look like, but if you look at that run that he had, you know, that 48-yard run, Kiwanuka was tackled basically while he was trying to make the tackle, and Tuck missed the tackle at the point of attack. That should have been a four-yard loss. So it's not like they got blown off the ball. These are things that are correctable. Now, the next question you asked me is about the offensive line, and that's a real area of concern because this was a problem last year. They were last in the league in rushing. They were last in the league in yards per carry last year, and the emphasis throughout training camp this year has been the improvement or the working on the improving of the running game. And the game the other night, the running game looked exactly like the running game that they threw out on the field for 14 games last year. And it's not going to cut it because, look, last year, Victor Cruz had a season for the ages. I mean, he had five touchdowns of 65 or more yards. That's only happened one other time in NFL history. He had four touchdowns of over 70 yards. You can't bank on him tipping the ball to himself like he did against Seattle or the Jets missing tackles and him going 99 yards. That was probably a a once-in-a-lifetime season that Victor Cruz had as far as the big plays. And if you can't get a yard down at the goal line, if you can't play power football, you're not going to win consistently in the NFL, and you're going to put way too much of a burden on Eli Manning, and you're going to expose him to pass rush, 
and the amount of pass attempts, and it's not going to have the kind of returns that you want. Now, I, I want to stick with the offense here. Michael Bowley gets an interception. He runs the ball all the way into the red zone, all the way down inside the five. What what was the offensive game plan down there? Because it seemed like everyone, I was with a bunch of Giants fans, they all knew exactly what was coming. And, and someone looks at me and goes, loss of two yards. They're going to run it for a loss of two. And that's exactly what happened. Do you think maybe they were a little too, uh, I, I don't want to say predictable, but, you know, what was the issue down there? Um, well, I mean, it was, look, it was first and goal at the one. Um, and they lined up in their jumbo formation to play power football and run it in. That, that, that's not that far out of the question to do something like that. I mean, at the end of the game, when the Giants cut it to within seven and the Cowboys got the ball back with two minutes and 40 seconds to go, didn't everybody in the building know the Cowboys were going to run it? And didn't DeMarco Murray run for four yards on first down and five yards on second down? Yeah. I mean, there, there comes a point where you have to be able to line up and make a yard. Um, and let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When the Giants lined up first and goal at the 10 after the Dominic Hickson catch, and they only had one receiver in the game, and they went with two tight ends and a fullback and a tackle eligible, we pretty much knew they were going to run it then too, right? And yeah. Bradshaw ran it in from 10 yards out. It's about execution. I mean, you, it's, it's about setting a mindset. It's about setting an attitude. And you got the ball at the one-yard line. At that moment, you want to assert yourself and you want to punch the Cowboys right in the mouth. And the fact that the giant offensive line doesn't move anybody off the ball is scary. Now, Bob, uh, I, I, you know, a lot of people think and, and thought coming into the year that Mario Manningham, the loss of Mario Manningham, wasn't going to be that much of a big deal for this Giants team. I want to talk about Dominic Hickson because Dominic Hickson, I believe, when he's healthy, can be a very legitimate threat uh, in this receiving game, and he showed that he could be uh, that that threat the other night. What do you think about him as far as replacing what Manningham brought to this team? I think Manningham is a better player. Um, I think Hickson's a smarter player. Um, and, you know, the fact that Hickson has had knee injuries the last two years makes him a big question mark. But as he rounds into form, he definitely gives you a deep ball threat, um, a home run kind of threat. We saw him get past the defense and make that 40-yard catch. We saw him get past the defense on the Giants' last drive, and Eli Manning just missed him. That should have been, you know, a 35-yard touchdown with 341 to go instead of 231 to go. The Giants could have been within seven. It's not like he was covered. Uh, but I still think the X factor in all this is going to be the rookie, Reuben Randall. As he gets more acclimated to the NFL game, I think he's a dynamic player that can really start to open things up for the other guys. And, and one other thing about the other night, I, you guys saw it, Hakeem Nix is not in shape yet. Mm. He's not in football shape. He looked a little slow coming out of his breaks. He looked a little tentative. He didn't look explosive. And that's to be expected because he missed a lot of training camp. He only played two series in the last preseason game. And, and I think he's still working himself into game shape. So they need Hickson to step up. They need Martellus Bennett to step up. They need some of these guys to step up here a little bit until Nick's is more up to speed. I want to stick with offensive uh, skill positions here, Bob. And David Wilson had a second carry, fumbled the ball, didn't really look like there was a – very good reason that he fumbled it. It didn't look like there was really a, a helmet to the ball or anything. It just seemed like it just kind of came loose. Tell me, uh, is this a problem that maybe they've seen during camp at all? Or uh, what do you think of, you know, Coughlin benching him at that point in the game? Well, I mean, it was punched out by Sean Lee. Um, look, this kid had some fumble problems in college, and this is something that they worked on during training camp. But I think what happened to David Wilson is like rookie sticker shop that happens to a lot of these guys in their first ever NFL game because the game was going 1,000 miles per hour faster than the preseason game. And when David Wilson took that handoff and went off the left side, he was thinking big play. And I think, you know, in college with the wide hash marks and the fact that there's a bunch of guys playing in college football on every team, that will never once set foot on an NFL field, even in a preseason game, let alone a regular season game. 
I think he was shocked at how fast the Cowboys closed on him. And he talked about that a little bit after the game and the fact that the windows close fast in the NFL. The speed of the linebackers matches the speed of the backs. And there's defensive linemen that run almost as fast as David Wilson. You don't deal with that in college. You don't deal with uh, the speed across the board that you get, you know, in the NFL. So uh, I think he was shocked that he'd gotten hit. And I think Coughlin sent the message to him that if you don't get this ball security thing correct, you know, you're not going to see time on the field. Bob, I think the Giants got a really nice taste of how tough this division is going to be this year. How do you see things playing out? How tough do you think the NFC is going to be this year? Uh, I believe it's a three-team race. Um, you know, with no disrespect to Washington, who has a tremendous defense, by the way. Uh, and I think that's why the Redskins will win more games with RG3 than, say, Carolina won last year uh, with Cam Newton is because Washington has a legitimate defense. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the Giants and Cowboys are going to be in the mix for the division title along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, the NFC East plays the NFC South, and they play the, um, and they play the AFC North. So you, all the teams have a very difficult schedule this year. And I really think that it's going to come down to, between the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles, which team can manage the injuries the best and which team doesn't suffer some devastating injuries, you know, after Halloween and especially after Thanksgiving. Because I think they're all similar uh, in a lot of ways, and, and I think some team strengths offset other team strengths, but I think they're all pretty equal. Bob Papa, voice of the Giants on WFAN and WFUV alum, joining us on one-on-one's NFL Friday. Bob, have a good season. We'll talk to you soon. No problem, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Bob. And let's get to some Jets talk. And let's talk to Joe Vitiello, who will talk to us every week about the Jets. After an offseason filled with newspaper headlines, the Jets finally take the field on Sunday. Let's face it, after the Giants won the Super Bowl last season, there is no way gangrene deserved the media attention they received. First, Mark Sanchez and Santonio Holmes had approved they were best friends. Then, who could forget the Tebow mania when they acquire their Wildcat quarterback? Even as late as this week, Santonio Holmes made headlines. Since day one, it was it was a focus that kind of rattled them a little. Uh, and I use that word only to say that, wow, how did this happen, you know? And that those were words that came out of his mouth. And... But I think he understands now that his role is to be the New York Jets starting quarterback, and Tebow is here to help us win as many games as he can help us win. Sprinkle this in with your annual Darrell Revis holdout threat, and you've got the formula to steal the spotlight from Big Blue. Call me crazy, but I think that the Jets will also steal the show on the field this season. It's not hard to see that they don't have many playmakers, especially on the offensive side of the field, but hear me out. Dan Green has one of, if not the easiest schedule in the league. They play the NFC West and the AFC South, probably the two weakest divisions in the game, and should go 6-2 in those games. Overall, a 10-6 record wouldn't surprise me. As for Sunday, I expect an absolute dogfight. Count on newly acquired Bills defensive end Mario Williams to have a monster game against a weak Jets offensive line. It will be an interesting matchup between two teams who implement the Wildcat as part of their offense. My prediction? Tim Tebow's Wildcat acts as the team's savior and allows them to sneak by the Bills 17-13. Covering the... I'm Joe Vitiello, WFUV Sports. Joe Vitiello with our weekly Jets report. And Mike, what do you think of Darrell Rivas? Uh, Darrell Rivas? I, I that's all fine. I think Joe's out of his mind. Oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I first off, I'm happy we're bringing up Darrell Revis because I, I want to talk about him later. Um, and we talked about this before that we wanted to talk about him. So I, I didn't think we'd start this early, but I appreciate I'm the lead it to in you right now. <laughs> Can I just say, Joe? I, look, I, I he's a respected member of our sports department. I know the we disclaimer. put a lot of work into this. He is out of his skull if he thinks. That they're going to go six and two out of their division, out of his mind. That is, I, I'm that just is. saying, because I know that they're playing the bad divisions. Look, 
I don't even think they could beat the Dolphins twice. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even think they could beat the Dolphins twice. I mean, that's a joke. I, I, I think that they can. I, I, I'll i give that to them, Mike. But we talked about it uh, before the show. I, I think that the Bills are going to be the shock of this division. And I, I think that they will come in second. And obviously getting a little ahead of ourselves, we will have the season predictions coming up later. But I got to say it here. Bills will come in second in this division. Joe, Joe said it. I, I mean, he said it. Mario Williams, okay? And they get Stephon Gilmore in the draft. Uh, you know, those two guys are going to be the center of this defense, and they're going to give a lot of problems to this Jets offensive line in both games. Because this game's in New York. This game's in the Meadowlands, I should say. They still got a game to play up in Buffalo. That's the last game of the year. Yeah, well, if I lined up at nose tackle, there's a decent chance that I, too, could give the Jets offensive <laughs> line some problems. <laughs> I, and that's not saying anything about my athletic prowess because it's non-existent. <laughs> I'm just saying their offensive line is, and, and it's much maligned, but with good reason. I mean, they are in big trouble. This is um, the, I think this is the time of the show to say that I'm a St. Louis Rams fan, and Mike is a, a Cleveland Browns fan. We both live equal lives of, of just abject disgust yes. at the game of football, and, yet we keep coming back. And, of course, <laughs> the Jets <laughs> getting Jason Smith from the Rams. I don't know where he's going to play. I mean, I assume maybe we'll see him for a few snaps in this game, but I we, we we it's established that the offensive line is a huge problem. To be honest with you, we we talk about it off the air. You know, once again, all the problems for this team lie on the offensive side of the football. The defense well, I, I, is. You and I go were going to talk about Darrell Revis. Yes, you, you, and, you and, have the floor. I, I'm just going to say, he single handedly makes your defense go from let's say you're tenth in the league, you're now fifth in the league. That I mean, he legitimately makes you better than at least five teams that were otherwise going to be better than you defensively. He he completely ties up half the field of play. Great on run defense, great on pass defense, and we were just talking about how defensively, I, I, where are the problems over there? There are none. Rex Ryan says this is the best team he's ever coached. This is the, maybe only goes to the defensive meetings. Like I totally believe that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because uh, offensively. I don't know where to begin. I honestly don't. I don't know where to begin. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you. This, this offense is is brutal right now. I mean, well, let's take a look at the potential playmakers. Okay, Mark Sanchez, number one, in his fourth year, he's really got to get it going this year. I mean, especially with Tim Tebow here now. I mean, there's a lot more. Let's face it, there's a lot more pressure on him. And one of the burning questions I have for the Jets is, does the presence of Tim Tebow on that sideline benefit Mark Sanchez or? It does it not? I think we both agree that it does not. Yeah, in a word, no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> and the tabloids go crazy. And look, players say, "Oh, I don't read the tabloids." Yes, you do. You pass them on the street. It's impossible not to see. You know, Tim Tebow was in GQ. Whatever. I mean, it's impossible not to notice that. That's just an outrageous. You know, it, it's impossible. So for Mark Sanchez, who right now I think is having a crisis of confidence on the field of play for him, maybe not to be the, um, I, I don't want to say unquestioned leader. Cause I'm sure when he's on the field, he is, uh, if Tim Tebow stepped in that huddle, I'm not saying that, that the team would rally around him more. I'm just saying as much, if not more, they would rally around Tim Tebow. You know, I, I it's, it's, it's a rough situation here right now. And, and, you know, it doesn't do really much good for the only solid receiver on this team, Santonio Holmes, finally gets back on the field after the rib problem in the, in the preseason. I mean, I, I think that his ceiling, his potential ceiling is definitely high, but, I mean, you got to worry about who's throwing the ball to you. I, I think that he's got a lot of talent. We know that he has a lot of talent, but, I mean, when you have a quarterback situation where, you know, he, he is nervous about every throw he's making because he thinks that maybe it could be his last, well, that's an and, issue. And look, the only time you should be impressed with a quarterback throwing from his knees is Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> In the combine. That's it. That's the only time you should be like, wow, he threw that ball a real long way when one of the contact points was on the ground. <laughs> Mark Sanchez on the ground is an ineffective quarterback. Frankly, every quarterback in the league on the ground is, is an, an ineffective quarterback. quarterback. Can the offensive line keep Mark Sanchez off the ground? No. <laughs> can they keep Tim Tebow off the ground? Maybe Tim Tebow can keep Tim Tebow off the ground. That's why maybe this could potentially be a better fit for him than it is for Mark Sanchez, which is why I think come middle of the season, 
maybe people are a little tired of Sanchez and his pocket passing ways and his, you know, decent mechanics and such. Uh, maybe they get tired of it and they want to see a guy who can stiff arm, um, you know, all, all of our demons. I don't know what he, you know, he stiff arms everything, but I don't know. I just don't feel like Mark Sanchez is going to be able to survive back there. Yeah, I mean, you, you, if Tim Tebow's not here, it, it, the story is probably different. But still, I think that there's pressure without Tim Tebow on Mark Sanchez. His fourth year, I mean, yeah, he's won playoff games. Yeah, he's never had a losing record. But I, I just think, you know, that that's just I, – I overlook that when I look at Mark Sanchez. I, I, that's just not what I think about. I think about a guy who has really relied on his defense and will do the same this year. I mean, and that, that gets us into the defense because we have just a few minutes left on the Jets – uh, the most sure thing on this team without question. Fifth in the league last year in terms of yards per game. They add Jeremiah Bell and Laron Landry to this secondary. Uh, and well, it, it's a secondary that in itself gave up the least, second least amount of touchdowns last year. By the way, I love Landry. I just want to make that known. I think he's awesome. I, as a safety, I don't think any free agent you could have picked up this year. Mm. It, I think it, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I really like what Landry and even Bell uh, have to bring. These guys are not young guys. These guys are, are guys that have the experience. Uh, and, you know, the Jets' defense, pressure's on the offense, but, I mean, there's got to be some pressure on this defense because they know that if they cannot force three and outs and get that offense back on the field, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and more importantly, I mean, it, I, I, I well, no, I, I – I really completely agree with you. I don't even know why I'm trying to set up like the but what. Yeah. Honestly, if this offense leaves guys like Bart Scott, who his, his maybe his better years are past him, for instance, if you leave guys like that on the field, yeah, they're great in the first half. They will be toast after a half. Let's get to our Jets prediction. Before we do, Sione Poha, the nose tackle, out Sunday. Eric Smith, the sa- strong safety who is the backup to Jeremiah Bell, out also. So they will be without those two guys, Jets and Bills. Yeah, those are important. Those are important guys. Without a doubt, the nose tackle, Pooha, is very important. Yeah. What do you got? I don't care about the injuries because it, it actually strengthens my pick. Right. When I say the Bills are going to win this game by at least two touchdowns, count it. Wow. The bucket and the foul, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. Is that your? I think that's your that, catchphrase. <laughs> It is, and I, it, it, is it working? Yeah, it's working. It, will it's there working. be memes with that catchphrase on it, I, the bucket and the foul, and there's my face on it? The meme factory <laughs> is up and running. Uh, look, M- Mario Williams, minimum two sacks. And by that, I mean he'll get two and a half or more sacks. <laughs> I mean, he is an animal. Dustin Keller also could not play in this game. Which, by the way, is the biggest injury that you can mention because he is the security blanket. Mm. Every every team has a good enough corner and, and safety that they can bracket a good receiver. So Antonio Holmes will not roll up, you know, 250 yards no, of, of no. receiving yards. Dustin Keller's going to have to get in there somewhere. Right. Or, or whether it's his backup, I, I'm not quite sure who that is off the top of my head. Jeff Cumberland is listed here. Enough I, I don't, said. don't think it's him. <laughs> uh, yeah, enough said. Uh, <laughs> There you go. I mean, honestly, you lose a possibly your most effective receiver in that. I think he's a matchup problem. G- give me the give me the Bills. I'm going with the Bills as well. Wow. I will go seventeen seven Bills. You're, you're saying at, you're saying at least two touchdowns, so it's okay. going to be more than that for you. you yes. You feeling a twenty three ten, twenty four ten? Well, yeah. I, I I think if they score ten. <laughs> if they score 10, I, get ready, Mr. Field Goal Kicker. This is your year. <laughs> is Greg McElroy going to play? Because that's the only way they're going to touch. Right, he'll be on the snaps. Right, a fake fake field goal, and he'll run it in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I told you I scored in the preseason. I'm scoring the regular season. All right, let's get to our general NFL segment, which is a packed segment today uh, because we have so much things to get to. We're going to get to some bold predictions first. Then we'll do our season predictions which is going to always be a lot of fun. I got four bold predictions. Mike has six. One of them is not really that bold. But, oh, uh, <laughs> wow. I think I know which one you're talking yeah, about, too. I think, I'm not yeah, saying I'm offended. I think I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, my first one, which um, 
It has to do with my Rams. You have we each have one that has to do with our own do team. Do we want to lead off with our? Yeah, with our, let's do that. Okay, mine actually makes more sense than yours. I'm going to say Stephen <laughs> Jackson, running back for the Rams, plays a full season. 16 games. Uh, I believe he played 15 last year. He of brittle bones. Man, I, I got to feel bad for Steven Jackson, but he just keeps going. I'm going to say I'm going to say that he uh that he plays a full season for St. Louis. Oh, okay. Well, uh speaking of running backs who aren't going to make their team any better than 3 and 13. <laughs> <laughs> As mentioned, I'm a Cleveland fan. The Browns will draft again in the top three. Mr. Bold I, prediction. I, I, <laughs> I, I, okay, fair enough. It's not that bold. The Browns will be terrible. The world is used to it. Once again. Um, I miss Colt McCoy. I, I'm just, I'm going to get that out here. You like Colt McCoy. I like Colt. And you know how much I like him? I've told you this. I'd let him date my sister. <laughs> he would treat her right. I'm just saying. <laughs> I would let Colt McCoy date my sister. You've That's how much I love this guy. I've never met him, but you know what? Do you have a sister? I, I have okay. two. Okay. One of whom is married. The other one is reserved for Colt. <laughs> so okay. the Browns will draft in the top three All right. this year. My number two bowl prediction has to do with a wide receiver in the city of cars, and that is Detroit. Calvin Johnson. Well, not anymore. No. Okay. No. Continue. Will become. <laughs> let, me, let me do this right, here. Right. Will become the first. 2,000-yard receiver Woo! in league history. Now, Mike is, like, just just bombasted by this prediction. But listen, I read an article in, in the Sports Illustrated preview uh, about Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford. And, in fact, these guys are not in-your-face, you know, like, under-the-lights diva guys. Quietly confident. And, but they are so good, so good, that I could see those two possibly becoming a Manning-Harrison deal. How many Way yards did the they road. have last year? Uh, Calvin Johnson had 1,681 receiving, okay. and we know Stafford had over 5,000 right. passing. And 25, 30 touchdowns? That, that, that's, he had that's more. That's I think really he had in the 40s. 2,000 yep. yards. And don't be surprised if you see a couple of 300-yard receiving games in there to make up for the 120s that he won't get. <laughs> 300 you yards? You know, I was looking at the Lions' schedule. They don't play. How many times? They can't play the Browns that often. Yeah, and the Lions don't have that difficult of a schedule this year. Okay. They don't. Go ahead. You're, you're another, another bold prediction from you. Okay. Rob Gronkowski is the number one tight end in New England. Number one tight no end in longer. the league. No longer. No. Aaron Hernandez and Jimmy Graham will both outcatch him this year. See, I, I agree with one of those. I think Graham definitely will. I don't know about Hernandez. I could see it, but I'm hearing that Tom okay. Brady is connecting with him, and if that's the case, there it is. Bold right. prediction: Aaron Hernandez outcatches Rob Gronkowski. All right, here's another one from me. The Houston Texans, folks, they're going to sweep their division. Wow. Yep. And I know there's a lot of close games every year in that AFC South. It seems like there's always there's always last second field goals from Josh Scobie, <laughs> <laughs> right? And Chris Brown for the Texans, but Texans this year, this is the real deal. Houston, if this is the year that they're going to make some noise in the playoffs, it's this year because I believe they will sweep that division, and we'll talk about the Texans later. Okay. I, I will counter that. Randy Moss, who was filling out his pension papers just a, a short year ago, <laughs> 50 catches, eight touchdowns minimum in San Francisco, and Alex Smith is the starter all year. Kaepernick, no way. He's not going to get in. Nope. It's the first time I've ever fallen in love in my entire life. I just fell in love with that prediction. Uh, that's that's a great prediction. Great prediction. He's got the pieces around him. He's not the only guy catching balls down there. He can mentor Michael Crabtree because those guys huge. are those guys are similar. Mm -hmm. Those guys. Let's be honest. Those guys are similar in, in more ways than just on the field. Yeah. Um, I like that prediction a lot. I got, I only have four, so I'm going to go left. with one more. I'll leave the other two on the, on okay. the cutting. Right. Yeah. Chris Johnson. I know that I said the Houston's will sweep that division. Chris Johnson's going to lead the NFL in rushing though. I love Chris Johnson this year. He's coming back from a really rough year. Had the 2,000 yards in 09. Had a really solid season in 2010. Last year was not good. CJ 2K Part 2? Are you saying 2,000 uh, yards or no? No. No. But he definitely will lead. He'll get up there near 16. I, I will okay. say, he'll say 16. All right. I'm going to give you my last one. Speaking of big yardage. Last year, Stafford, Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze. We're all over 5,000 yards. Zero 5,000-yard passers this year. None. 
And I'm going back to the lockout. We mentioned no lockout this year, full training camp. That helps the defense more than the offense. They tackle a little better. I, I'm just saying right now, zero five thousand yard passers. There you go. There's our bold predictions and. Our producer, by the way, for the show, Julian Atienza, and our engineer is Nick Lagerfo. And uh, Julian, thank thank God that he just told me about this. Folks, we have breaking news on our first show. Wow. Breaking news. This is uh, coming from ESPN.com. Sources reporting. Suspensions for four players connected to the New Orleans Saints bounty scandal have been overturned. Wow. By a three-man arbitration panel. Sources are telling ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter the ruling should clear Jonathan Vilma, Will Smith, Scott Fujita, and Anthony Hargrove to start the season. Can I change a bold prediction? That is The Browns will now be top five but not top three (laughs) because Fujita is back. (laughs) I'm changing a bold prediction because of this bold breaking news. Wow, that's just – that is – what about I, I, Sean Payton? Anything? Yeah, on I, I'm, Payton? Ju- I'm just just saying this now. I was just about to say, I, I, I we need to Nothing. hear something about Payton. No, they're they're not going to do Nothing. anything. Nothing. No, and you you know what? Uh, uh, Greg Williams in, in St. Louis. Yeah. Well, the good news is is Payton's picture still hangs in the rafters at their practice facility. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we only got a minute left in this segment. We got to get to our season predictions. Oh my god, we're going division wise here. Here we go. Rapid fire, AFC East. I got the Patriots. Patriots. Okay, well, let's get to our music. Here. Oh, we've got music. We got music. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Well, in this case, they're yearly NFL predictions. But we're going to play that bumper twice today. We I'm are. It. I'm so pumped for the second time we play it. But that was the first time. I'm going Patriots. You're going Patriots. Man. AFC North. Pittsburgh. I'm going with the Ravens. Oh. AFC South. Obviously, the Houston Texans. Gotta be. AFC West, Phillip Rivers has a monster year. San Diego wins the division. Agree. He's a monster. So, right. so many picks last year. AFC Wild Cards. I'm going with Cincinnati. I like Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. I also like Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. And I'm going with Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. For the Wild Cards, I think Baltimore, who you picked for the division, and, and you can't bet against Peyton Manning. Even if he's been hurt, you and I both heard he's coming along, and you can see it. Yeah, he's and I really, I really like Peyton Manning this yeah. year. NFC, here we go. In the East, I got Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Giants, I think, are going to take a step back this year. I think they'll take a wild card again. I, yes. They are yes. postseason performers, not regular season. NFC South, as we come off the heels of this big news, I was going to pick the Saints anyway. They're going to win 12 games. Uh, yeah, stick with my Saints prediction, too. Drew Brees is a coach on the field. Oh, without a doubt. NFC North, this is a this is a big toss-up, this division. I like Green Bay to, to hold it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in between on oh, Chicago. Oh, okay. I thought I'm going to stick with Green Bay. Okay. I'm going to stick with them. All right. NFC West, my division, and uh, all the Seahawks, I think, are going to come in second. That's the biggest surprise oh. in that division, but I got the 49ers 12 I'm, wins. Yeah, I'm going to blow your mind and, and go 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> NFC Wild Cards, we looked ahead earlier. I'm going with the Giants, mm-hmm. and I'm going with Detroit. I really love Stafford and Calvin Johnson. Yeah, and I'm with the Giants, too, but again, I think Chicago right, that's is going to be in the NFC North. I, I think Jay Cutler is, is going to come up huge. All right, AFC Championship game. Houston at New England, and the Houston Texans will represent the American Football Conference in Super Bowl 47. Baltimore goes to New England, and they win. So we both have the Patriots losing Losing in the AFC Championship. I like that. NFC Championship game, the Saints are going to get back to the championship game in San Francisco, and the San Francisco 49ers will represent the National Football Conference in Super Bowl 47. With this epic music playing underneath <laughs> me. I love it. San Francisco over Green Bay. And the music, oh, no, it's back. All right, oh, San Francisco over Green Bay. It gets loud and then soft. <laughs> in the Super Bowl, it's the Texans, it's the 49ers, and the San Francisco 49ers will win Super Bowl 47. I always love me a good Harbaugh Bowl. There you that, go. That's what I want. I want San Francisco and Baltimore going with the Niners. All right. We're both amazing. We're both going and with the Niners. we didn't even discuss no, this. This not. is like five minutes before the show. We we uh, told each other where we were going. And, uh, well, that, that was a nice little segment there. Yeah. Uh, those are our picks. We both have the Niners going and winning the Super Bowl. I just Texans are my biggest surprise this year. And, uh, well, we will... We will be getting to our fantasy football segment. Yeah, we're going to do that right about now. Yeah, let's do it. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus start them or sit them to help you win your league. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts, joined 
every week now by Steve Seminary of WFUV Sports. And Steve, how are you? Ready for a another start to the NFL season? It's, it's really an exciting time of year. How's it going? Well, uh, Justin Tuck said yesterday, uh, on, on Wednesday actually, it's like Christmas Eve for him. So for, for fantasy football fans, big weekend ahead. Yes, and uh, I know Steve's mic was actually not on, but we, we got it. We got everything up and running now. So what we're going to do is this, for, for those of you listening out there, every week Steve's going to come on for a few minutes and, and give us some stardom sit-em for each position. He'll do one for each position. We'll run it down rapid fire. Uh, but, but what's going to happen this week? Is since you know it's the first show of the year, a lot of uh, special things going on this week. Is he's going to give us a few sleepers, a few busts for the season ahead. So why don't we start off with that, Steve? Well, not many of us thought that Dallas receiver Kevin Ogletree would be a possible sleeper, but there are many. Wasn't more... anything. <laughs> well, there are many more to look at. Uh, starting at quarterbacks, I mean, there's 11 of the 32 quarterbacks are either rookies or sophomores. So you would think that the field would be slim for quarterbacks, but there are a ton of quarterbacks out there, fantasy wise. I mean, if you don't get a top-flight guy like Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, or Stafford, you really don't have to worry because the second tier is full of big names. Tony Romo, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, all guys that could produce big numbers and big points. Yeah, without a doubt, Steve. And uh, as we get to uh, you know the, the other stuff that you have to, to talk to us about, in terms of busts, I mean, I, I can't off the top of my head now I'm I'm curious what you have to say about Chris Johnson because uh, we just made the bold prediction that I think he's going to lead the the NFL in rushing in 2012. I think he had a great preseason. He's got a, a nice new fresh start with a new quarterback. I I really see big things for him this year. I do as well. I mean he's he went pretty high in most drafts and he should have a big year. But uh, other than him, uh, in terms of uh, bust, yeah, let's do that. I'm not so certain of Maurice Jones Drew in mm. uh, Jacksonville after the long lengthy holdout he had. Most running backs with holdouts, as like Chris Johnson, they don't really fare well. they got to catch up to speed. And it's usually a, a race that they end up not winning. So I don't expect him to have a big year. And uh, other than that, in terms of who I expect to have a big year, I expect DeMarco Murray to, to have a huge year in Dallas. The 24-year-old, the third-round pick, and he's proved already in Week 1 against the Giants that he's the real deal. Do you think he's going to keep the carries all year long? Do you think he's going to be able to keep a hold of all that? And do you think he's going to stay healthy with the whole workload? Well, he'll have a big workload, but he does have Felix Jones behind him, backing him mm-hmm. up. Not right. the best backup, but mm-hmm. solid enough. And that offense is so many weapons. I mean, Des Bryant, Jason Witten, Ogletree, Miles Austin. There's plenty of guys. That ball's going to be moved around a lot. And I think they'll keep him healthy all year. Yeah. When it comes to Witten, I mean, he just – he played – we were talking about He played awful the other night, and – uh you know, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to come back. Was from, he like from missing injury. a kidney though? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. something serious? I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, yeah. yeah, right. I don't know why he played. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. he he had no place. He had no place on that football field the other night. Um, once he gets healthy, you know, what do you th- what do you think of him? Because he's really he's really the number one target in Dallas for Tony Romo. I agree, and I think Witten's in the same boat as Antonio Gates, two right. former Pro Bowl tight end guys that are looking to bounce back, and they have you know. Stacked offenses. You look in San Diego, you got Rivers, you got Robert Meacham, you got Eddie Royal, you got Ryan Matthews. And then you look at Dallas, like I said, Bryant, Romo, Miles Austin. There's plenty of, there's tons of offensive firepower on both teams. And I expect Gates and, and Wynn to both have big years once again. All right, Steve. So let's uh, let's get uh, move on now and get to the start of sit for week one. I know me and Mike both play fantasy football, so well, I think what we'll do each week is we'll ask you one question about our teams, our fantasy teams that we'd like you to answer, and uh, and then you know you can do the start of sit. So you start, you can start off with with the start of sit. one for each position. Why don't you run that down? Uh, what do you have for us there? Well, quarterback this week, I would definitely look at Jay Cutler against Indianapolis Colts. I think Cutler's going to have a big year all year long with uh his re- uh, reunited with Brandon Marshall. And on top of that, Mike March is gone, and Mike Tice is the new offensive right. coordinator. So I expect Cutler to finally. Show that he he is you know one of the top tier quarterbacks and the talent's there the cannon arm is there it's a matter of him putting it all together and I think this year he will and week one he'll start off on the right note against the Colts and then in terms of bust I mean this week I would I would probably sit Andy Dalton Monday night against the Ravens the Ravens obviously one of the most stingiest defenses in the league Dalton sophomore sophomore quarterback may go into the sophomore slump may not we don't know yet so I would probably sit Dalton in week one. Okay, and I, I I saw you pumping your fist there, Mike, when he t- mentioned Jay Cutler. I'm guessing you have him. I do, I do. <laughs> like I, I thought that was like my snappy, smart pick. I, I'm already <laughs> reaping my reward for, for grabbing him in a late already. round. Already. What do you have to say about the running back, Steve? 
Well, running back this week, I'd probably start Stephen Ridley of the New England Patriots. The Patriots right now, he's the main back, and they're playing Tennessee Titans. Not one of the best defense in the league. And Ridley, obviously, with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis gone, he's going to get most of, the, most of the touches. And he's a power back. He's going to get a lot of touches inside the red zone and should find himself within about 10 touchdowns this year, in my opinion. And then in terms of sitting, there's a couple of guys that are a little banged up. Arian Forster is a game-time decision right now for the Texans. And um, he probably might not play. And as will Marshawn Lynch, who is battling injury and he was actually limited in practice today. Okay. So both of their status is up in the air. So I would not risk. I would not risk both of them playing. Now you mentioned Stephen. Really, I guess I'll guess. My, I'll get my question in here about my team. Um, I have two flex spots uh, in this league that I'm in here. So this is a 12-team league, um, and the flex spot is a wide receiver, running back, or a tight end. I have three guys who I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put, fill the spot. I'm gonna fill two of those spots. I have D'Angelo Williams, Willis McGahee, and Stephen Ridley, all running backs. So if you had to pick two of those guys, which which one would would you leave out? Well, I would definitely start Ridley, like I said. Right. And then I'd probably start McGahee. First game, Peyton Manning coming back. I'm mm-hmm. sure they don't want to open him up too much, and he'll probably get a lot of touches this week. And I'm not. Uh, Denver's playing this week. Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday Pittsburgh. night. Stingy defense, but I think Pittsburgh's defense a little bit over the hill. And James Harrison may not play. I agree. That defense had a complete overhaul this year. No more Aaron Smith. No more James Farrier. Right. All those guys are long gone. Mm-hmm. Casey Hampton's battling injury. So I don't know how well a defense will be this year. And I'm sure that Peyton will start off slow. And McGahee will get a lot of touches. Okay. Well, and they're Thanks missing that, one of their best players up in the high altitude right. because of sickle cell. Ryan Clark. So yeah. that's huge, too. That is. All right. So what do you have for us in terms of uh, the wide receivers this week? Well, the receivers, I mean, this seems kind of obvious. But I would start Julio Jones of the Falcons against the Chiefs. The 23-year-old, I think, is going to have a monstrous year with Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. Especially playing inside the Dome. I expect him to have go off this year with Roddy White getting a little older. And uh, I would definitely start him against KC. In terms of sitting, I'd probably sit Stevie Johnson. He's had his success against uh, Dowell Rivas over the years, but has been injured and uh, ha- would have hampered into uh, – he has been hampered with a hamstring injury. So I don't know if he's going to play. And either way, if he does play, he'll be stuck on Rivas Island for the majority of the game. Right, and we talked about that earlier. He He's just – no one can stop Rivas. Yeah. And actually, this leads me to my question at wide receiver. I've got Robert Meacham with uh, San Diego in his first game with them. And I have Andre Johnson, Marcus Colston, and Larry Fitzgerald. Colston's questionable. Fitzgerald's quarterbacks are questionable. I'd love to know who's in this league with you. How do you have those wide receivers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're so stupid. Uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, who, who should I start Meacham over Colston, Andre Johnson, or Larry Fitzgerald? Oof, I, I don't know. Well, I like Andre a lot this week going against a Dolphin defense. Uh, they're gonna. They're just gonna. They're just gonna go off. This I mean, week. I would like Andre every week. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys right. would as well. The thing with him, he's got to stay healthy. Right. But he is healthy week one, so he's he's fresh, and Arian Forster isn't as he's hurt, so he might get more touches than usual. Mm -hmm. And in terms of Marcus Colston, I mean, you know the Saints are going to pass the ball, and he's the number one receiver, and that hasn't changed. But I don't don't see him getting the ball so much in week one. I mean, Darren Sproul's going to get a lot of touches, Jimmy Graham. Uh, Mark Engram, so that ball's gonna they're gonna distribute that probably a little bit more in week one. So he might not get as many catches as uh, the other other yeah. three. Breeze okay. always finds uh, everybody really, and and you mentioned Fitzgerald. Obviously, the man throwing him the ball is uh, the Fordham Flash, John Skelton. I, I mean, uh, the best quarterback in the league. I didn't mean <laughs> to say they had a quarterback problem. I meant to say they have the best <laughs> quarterback, second best quarterback who came from a one double A program. It's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, take us uh, through what else you have here, Steve. Well, tight end, I mean, as expected, Jimmy Graham, I, I think he's going to have a huge game against uh, the Redskins defense. I mean, that's why Colston, he might have a good game as well, but I think it's going to be all about Jimmy Graham, that, that game. And then in terms of injuries, uh, Dustin Keller's been out all week with injuries in practice. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to play against Buffalo. And even if he does play, it remains to be seen how Sanchez is going to get him the ball and how, how, how healthy he really is. So I would sit Keller for sure this week. Okay. And... Uh... I think that that just about wraps it up, right? Uh, Is there a, a just in general a kicker that you enjoy oh watching? I, I don't know I, if <laughs> I can't believe it just went there. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Is, anything, Is there any anything you should talk about a, defenses? Too. Well, there's that one. defenses. <laughs> Who cares about defenses? Go Playoffs. Go, <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Well, there's one kicker obviously that stands out: Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah. He's been questionable and bothered by injuries leading up to the opening week. So I don't know if he's going to play or not. I'd like to see if he does. Okay. Uh, I actually have a name to throw out there. The, the, the kicker on my team, nobody knows this guy, Greg Zorline for the Rams. This guy 
nailed. Uh, you laugh. You laugh. The but Rams are going to score enough listen, points to. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't the fifty-two yard field goal. It wasn't the fifty-five yard field goal that he nailed in preseason. It was the fifty-nine yarder that he nailed against the Ravens in game three, the game four of the preseason. That is why young Jeezy. Greg Zwerline is a good pick in, in, in fantasy this week for kicker. And I didn't make that name up. That's actually what they're calling him now in St. Louis. Steve Seminary with the weekly fantasy report. Steve, any, any closing words, any just last words of advice for anybody listening? Uh, a few more sleep. Uh, I'll give one more big sleeper, I think, in terms of the whole year. Uh, okay. As a team. And, and, as a team. Okay. Carolina Panthers and their players. Uh, Newton, obviously. Totally. Cam yeah. Newton, Brandon LaFell, the yeah. running backs. I think they're going to have a big year. All right. Steve Seminary. Thanks a lot for that fantasy report. And without further ado, we got one quick last segment to get to, and it's certainly last but not least, and that is our picks for week one. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, so here's how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do every week. We're going to have three games that we will pick, one upset pick, and then we're going to play a little game after that. Oh, play a little a game. game. The game is called... How many points combined will the St. Louis Rams and Cleveland Browns lose by this week? Let's do it. Our first game, San Francisco at Green Bay. This is a huge game. Really, the biggest game I think that everybody's talking about. It's not a night game either. It's a late afternoon game on Sunday. Mike, who do you got? Uh... Man, this one was actually tough for me. I, I actually, it, it's just because they're completely different teams. Oh, totally. They're completely different teams. Totally. Uh, my gut screams San Francisco. My, set, my, my head says Green Bay, but I'm not that smart, so San Francisco. <laughs> I'm going to go with Green Bay because there's no way they lose Lambeau Field week one. I mean, that's, that's uh, right there. Their defense, it's not good, but they will come to play because they're home in week one. Next game, Atlanta at Kansas City. There's some question marks maybe for the Falcons because they don't play very well early on early on this season. No. Nonetheless, I'm going to go with the Falcons on the road. Ah, in Romeo, I trust. <laughs> oh, Romeo, my Romeo. Cornell, I'm going with Kansas City. Look, I thought they'd be a nice sleeper to pick for the playoffs. I just didn't have it in me to, to put them over the Broncos this year. But I think they're going to win this game at Arrowhead. Very, very good stadium to play in. I think Matt Castle is healthy. Dwayne Bowe is back. Peyton Hillis, I think, is a nice addition for him. I like him. I Jamal like him a lot. Jamal Charles coming back. Huge. Player to watch in this game is tight end Tony Moecki for Kansas City. Just remember that name. But I still think uh, the Falcons it. are going to win. <laughs> Jacksonville at Minnesota. This is the toilet bowl, everybody. Who's going to win this game? You said there were three games plus somebody, an underdog somebody, plus the toilet bowl. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. The Jaguars and the Vikings week one. Who do you got? Uh, look, I don't like Christian Ponder. I like playing Gabbert less. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> Minnesota by 10. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go with Jacksonville because I love Rashad Jennings this week. And, and J.D. could play a role on third down. And here we go with the upset pick. Michael, you're on the clock. Arizona and Seattle are playing this week. Arizona is the underdog. I like that. It is in Arizona. And Seattle is starting a guy who is shorter than I am. Very interesting. Uh, a quarterback, a rookie, <laughs> no less, who is shorter than I am. I, I got to go with my boy, Chris Venezia. My Chris dude. Venezia is in the He's building, too. There. I got to go with my dude. Got a fantasy team with ten Cardinals on it. I am in a fantasy league called Skelton is King, and he proves <laughs> it this week. I'm going with the cards. All right. Nice pick. They're only getting, like, three points, so I I don't know, but, yeah, I'm going to go with, with – uh, I, I agree with you. I do agree, but that's not my upset. My upset is a little bit more gutsy. I'm oh, going to go gutsy. with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to Baltimore. It's going to be a tough game. Art Modell passed this week, and you're saying that the, they are going to drop this game. A huge emotional game. over the Ravens. Wow. Monday night football in Baltimore. A.J. Green all over the Ravens secondary. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, he'll be a factor. Another tight end. Maybe you'll remember this name. Jermaine Gresham. He'll be a factor for Cincinnati. And the Bengals will take it over the Ravens in week one and send the Ravens to wonder what did they what what why did they release Billy Cundiff? That'll be the big question <laughs> coming out of this game. I Bengals watched over a game the Ravens. in the postseason last year that would indicate several reasons why they released <laughs> Billy Cundiff. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a that was a I'm I'm I got the beads of sweat rolling down here after that segment. That was that was great. Mike, it's been a fun first show. That felt good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of on cloud nine right now. 
All right, real quick before we get out of here, a, a storyline you're watching for the season. Oh, and bef- before we do, uh, before we get out. Oh, we, yeah, we, we have must, to play the game. We, well, we, yeah, we have to play the game. I, I forgot. Uh, Who, but we'll do, st- right. you want to do storylines first? We, we can do yeah. that. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do a quick storyline. Go. Okay, storyline uh, for me, again, no 5,000-yard passers, defense returns. It's, it's like they were only gone for a year. Okay. My storyline is rookie QBs. Who's going to be the biggest one? I think Russell Wilson. Really? Will lead the Seahawks to 9-7. and seven. I, Also, Pete Carroll is, is just great. Love Pete Carroll, but I'm a Rams fan. Okay. Anyway, let's play the game. Combine the amount of points that the Rams and Browns will lose by. Let's preface that statement by saying they're both going to lose. The Rams play Detroit. Yep. The Browns play the Eagles. I think the Rams will lose by less. I go way. the other way, mainly because Detroit can can play. All right, so what's the combined so well. score? That's the number we're looking for. Rams lose by twenty plus <laughs> Browns lose by seventeen <laughs> equals thirty-seven points of ineptitude. The Rams will lose by fourteen, in my opinion, and the Browns will lose by twenty-five. What? So twenty-five, thirty-five. That's thirty-nine. You went with 37, I went with 39. It's close. Is this the Price is Right game? <laughs> we would like to thank Eric Malo with the Giants, Joe Vidiello doing our Jets report every week, Steve Seminary with the Fantasy Report, Julian Atienza is our producer, Nick Laguerrefo is our engineer. Of course, Bob Papa came on with us earlier. Many thanks to Bob for coming on with us and talking Giants. For Mike Watts, I'm Mac Rosenberg. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your football. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.